Welcome to Blaze and Access, connecting the community to the disabled world. I'm Blaze Bryant. Facebook.com slash Blaze and Shows, B-L-A-I-S-I-N Shows, same with Twitter. And my website, which is blazeandshows.com. Hope all is well and that you've had a great week. I was inspired to look up homeownership for people with disabilities when I was reading in a local newspaper here in the Albany, New York area where I'm recording this from. There was an article about disparities in race. I thought, well, how does this look from the landscape of disability? I found something from across the pond in the United Kingdom. Late in 2017, there was a webinar about a very interesting model for home ownership for people with disabilities in the United Kingdom. David Abbey, a financial advisor, tells us all about it. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, HOLD, the Future in Your Hands webinar. Um, HOLD stands for Home Ownership for People with Long-Term Disabilities. And we're joined today, as Marianne said, by Sue, um, who's a parent of a young man happily living in his own home uh, that was purchased using the HOLD model. So, let's have a bear with me. Right, so uh, today I'm going to give you an overview of, of the HOLD model. And uh, this is the agenda I'm going to work with today. So background of HOLD. Uh, the benefits of buying your own home. There is some criteria because we really focus on uh, people with a disability who've only got disability benefits to live on uh, to purchase. So there's some criteria there. It is home ownership, so there'll be some costs associated with buying your own home. We'll hear from Sue uh, in terms of the family story, and that will leave us uh, plenty of time for steps and uh, questions at the at the back end. Before we get before we get into the presentation proper, uh, just a couple of points really to put this uh, this webinar into context. Um, <clears throat> so there are many there are many options for people with uh, long term disabilities in terms of housing options, um, and those include supported living, residential care, shared lives, private rental, and social rental. Home ownership is just another housing option that fits in within that suite. However. We know that home ownership won't be right for everybody, but we believe that everybody should be given the option. So that's my first point. The second point is the home ownership model I'm going to share with you today is not about people with disabilities getting rich and becoming property millionaires. It's more about people having a choice about where they live, who they live with, and how they care for. So that said, lots of people have bought their own home. So we've been lucky enough to help um, over 1,300 people with a long-term disability purchase their own home since 1999. Buying your own home gives you choice. <clears throat> so people can choose the type of property. Some individuals want the responsibility of a garden, love the outside space, and therefore look for a house, perhaps. Others don't want that responsibility of a garden, so they choose a flat. And yet again, others might choose a bungalow because of their mobility uh, challenges. So they really just, they, they, for the first time, some, um, some owners have told us they've had the ability to even decorate 
their own property and have the furnishings that they want. They can also choose where that property is. So some people even choose to purchase a property in the same road as their parents, where others purchase a property a little bit further away, but still in an area where they feel safe, secure, and close to friends and family. Others, because of their sensory need, prefer somewhere quiet or semi-rural. And again, they have that choice. Yet again, individuals will choose to buy in town, close to shops and their activities. People can choose who they live with. So we have individuals who have decided to purchase with a friend or friends. We have others who prefer to live on their own, obviously with care and support. Our role within My Safe Home is really helping people with a disability to get the keys to their own property. We do not provide or facilitate care and support. So this enables people with disabilities to choose their own support team. And obviously they'll need care and support when they move into their own home. So whilst they're purchasing a property, there's another set of actions that they'll be performing in the background with their circle of support to make sure that they have the suitable care and support available the day they purchase their property and pick up their keys. And because housing and support is separated, they can choose, they can choose to change the support team without losing their home. Security of tenure is really, really important to people. And we've had many people who are on the autistic spectrum, they've told us they struggle with change. So having security of tenure has that, has that major impact on their lives. So once people have bought their own home, nobody can tell them to move. In terms of criteria, so who's this? So who who who's this? Who's who might this model be most suitable for? To buy property in the UK, you need to be at least eighteen years of age. So we have people. We've had people coming through transition who have used this model to choose uh, the housing option. There is mortgages involved, so we need a clean credit history. Lots of the people that we work with have no credit whatsoever. Some of them have limited mental capacity to even take out a credit card or a loan. That's not an issue for our lenders, but it needs to be clean, clean credit and no uh, issues in the past. No debts. So again, they will have to make a contribution towards their mortgage and the housing costs. So if they've got debts or loans, then this might not be the best option for them. This model is really aimed at people at the higher end of this uh, disability spectrum. So people on the higher rates of DLA care or the middle rate of the DLA care or the PIP. So DLA is disability living allowance, the higher rate or the middle rate or PIP equivalent, which is a personal independence payment. Typically in the support group for ESA, employment support allowance, um, employment support allowance support group. What does that mean? It means they have been assessed by DWP to have a dis that they have a disability, but they're in a support group, which means they typically won't be expected to go into paid employment. 
So again, that, that's the area that we tend to operate in. People who are able to work and have a disability can still use the whole model, but they'd have to get a mortgage from an ordinary high street lender like a bank or a building society, and that would be based on their ability, that would be based on their earnings capacity, um, and, and, and they get a mortgage accordingly. The people we tend to work with will probably be in, will not be in paid employment in the future. And that tends to be the harder end of the market in terms of getting mortgages, et cetera. Mental capacity. They need to understand what a mortgage is and house buying and some of the paperwork associated with that. If they don't have that capacity, they can still purchase their own property. However, we'll need to go through appointing a court-appointed deputy, i.e. parents or, or could be the local authority, or lasting power of attorney. And in terms of deputyship and lasting power of attorney, it's only the property and affairs element of those uh, of those orders that we need. We've mentioned already, we only provide keys to housing for people. So I'll need a suitable care and support package. And that can be provided by local authorities, individual budgets, or, or friends and family, et cetera. But home buying, it does involve cash, so they'll need deposits, and we typically talk about deposits of 10 and 11,000 pounds and fees to buy a property, so solicitors, surveyors, mortgage arrangement fees, etc. So those, all those, all those fees and deposits added together is typically 17,000 pounds or thereabouts. In terms of a contribution towards their housing costs, they'll need to make a contribution of about 130 pounds a month from the ESA and DLA care component. So um, again, that's what we talked about, no, no debts uh, in that first bullet point. Our, our, our applicants, our, our clients have two ways to access hold and properties. The first is to look for property that's been developed by a housing association locally to where they want to live, that's for sale on a part by part rent basis, also known as shared ownership. The other route to accessing property using the hold model is to buy an ordinary house in an ordinary street. So with this, with these next two graphics, I'd like to just talk that through with you. What does that look like? How might somebody buy an ordinary house in an ordinary street? The individual with a disability, along with their circle of support, will be given a budget by a housing association. And in this example, I'm going to work with a property value, property budget of £200,000. So with this budget, they go out to an estate agent online, whatever they need to do to find a suitable property. And the property can have one extra bedroom than they need. So a single person can buy two bedroom accommodation. And that's really important because that future proofs the model in terms of people needing living care and support today or in the future. So they've found the property, they've chosen it themselves, they make sure it's, um, it's, it's the right type of property in the right area where they'll feel safe, secure, and they give that property to the housing association who, who sorry, they give that property details to the housing association who purchased the whole property of whoever is selling the property. 
Once the Housing Association have purchased the property, they will sell a share of that property to our applicant, to our buyer who, who has a disability. And in this example, our buyer is going to purchase a 55% share for £110,000. Let's have a look at the balance of the property, which is 45%, that's still owned by the Housing Association, and that's rented to our applicants. And look at the rent on that, that's £206 a month. And so really, I'm, what the point I'm making there is, this is an affordable housing model, uh, sorry, it's an affordable home ownership model that's actually a government model. So it's, it's, it's the government that's sponsoring this, that's supporting it by way of grants. So it's an affordable home ownership model. Now, one of the concerns we had in terms of buying an ordinary house on an ordinary street, that property could be 30, 40, 50 years of age, and major repairs and maintenance may be required on that property in the near future. So how does a person who's only got state disability benefits to live on, how do they repair or replace a major item like a roof? And that caused us some concerns. So the model, when this was put together in 97, we actually built in the ability of the model to have a service charge. So what's a service charge? It's just a bucket into which pound notes go into every single month. That bucket of cash is held by the housing association who will then facilitate the repairs and maintenance on that property. So for instance, if the roof needed replacing, it was 10,000 pounds, they would pay the whole of the 10,000 pounds to replace that roof, even though they as the housing association only own 45% of the property. And that makes this model sustainable for people with a disability, who've only got disability benefits to live on. So how does an individual buy a property when they've only got these benefits to live on? In terms of the fees, there's a breakdown of the fees. So we've got their purchase fees, solicitors, surveyors, mortgage arrangement fees, valuations, etc. about £6,000. That could include stamp duty, about £6,000. Deposits, always a 10% deposit of the share. And the share we were buying was 110, so that's £11,000. And that's where our figure of £17,000 comes from. If there's a deposit there of 11,000, there's still a mortgage required of 99,000 pounds. My safe home is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority to arrange mortgages for people with long-term disabilities. So we would arrange the mortgage for the individual to enable them to buy that property. Has all, has all this paid for when they've only got state disability benefits to live on, the rent, and in our example, it was £206 a month, is paid for by housing benefit and goes directly to the housing association. So our applicants don't have to handle that cash. The service charge is also housing benefit eligible. And so therefore, that is also paid by housing benefit and goes directly to the housing association. So we've got the rent and the service charge paid for by benefits. And that means that the cash they've got in their hands from DLA, care for instance and ESA is theirs to uh, to have a decent quality of life with however there is a mortgage that we talked about so how's the mortgage paid for once they're in there's another benefit that they'll claim called SMI that stands for support for mortgage interest it's a benefit that's been around since the second world war and our applicants with long-term disabilities can access that benefit to help pay their mortgage interest. Our mortgages that we arrange are interest only mortgages. 
that will be repaid, the capital will be repaid once the property is eventually sold 20, 30, 40 years down the line when the individual no longer has a need for that property. So interest only mortgage, £99,000. The benefit will only pay about 3% towards the interest payments. Our mortgages are typically at 4%, so our applicant has to pay the differential, and that's about £83 a month on this example. In addition to that coming out of their um, DLA and ESA benefits, there's a mortgage benefit support that the lender will insist upon so that if that benefit's not paid for any reason, we're at hand to make sure it's reinstated and it makes the model sustainable for as long as they live there. Add those two benefits, add, add those two payments together, 129, that equates to that 130, 130 pounds a month contribution we looked at on the previous slide. Stick around and we'll hear from a parent who benefited from the hold method on Blazon Access. This is Blaze and Access. I'm Blaze Bryant. Now we hear from Sue Kirkman. She is the mom of a child with autism who is living in their own home because of the HOLD program. Here's her story. This is my uh, beautiful son, uh, TL, looking really very happy in his own home. I'll give you a bit of background on him to start with. Um, he was he's very severely autistic. Um, he has epilepsy, he has challenging behaviour and a communication disorder. So you might think he wasn't the ideal candidate to be buying his own home and living uh, with support in his own home. Uh, we weren't sure what was going to happen to him. From 16 to 19, he was um, at an out-of-city school, a boarding school, and he coped reasonably well, but he always wants to please. We were never quite sure how happy he was. But then we thought we would try a Camp Hill community. Uh, which seemed ideal really. So from 19 to 22, um, Tom went to a Camp Hill community where he did actually gain quite a few independent skills. He wasn't particularly happy there because he doesn't like community living. Uh, but however, he was gaining these independent skills, which he rarely used at home, we realized. And one example was when he had a bath when he came home, he used to actually um, have the bath and then just get out and just stand there and expect us to dry him which he never did, of course, when he was um, at the college. He actually did manage to sort himself out and shave himself, but it was depending on us doing them. So we realised we had to do something, because otherwise he would just be living at home and we would be looking after him. Now, I was actually quite old, have a son of 22, and I didn't really want him living at home and becoming dependent upon us and then be distraught when we died. And more importantly, we wanted him to have a permanent home of his own, which was not dependent on our ability to be able to look after him. And also, um, we wanted him to be in a, a situation where, as David mentioned, you know, tenancies weren't changed regularly because being so autistic, he wouldn't have been able to cope with that. 
why we wanted him to have a home of his own. Well, to start with, his sister has her own home. So why shouldn't TL have one too? He calls himself TL. Why shouldn't TL have one too? Um, you know, he has the right, just as she does, to have an independent life away from his parents. Um, he clearly wasn't settled when he came home for weekends and holidays. Um, but neither was he happy in a residential setting at the school and at the college. He really isn't keen on other people. He doesn't like sharing his space. He doesn't like sharing his things. And he really can only cope with people who can modify their behaviour to him. Um, so he was finding life at college very difficult. He wasn't settled when he came home for weekends and holidays. And he found life really very hard. He'd spent most of his time in the room by himself, um, perhaps calling us up to share a bit of a, a video that he, he was really enjoying. But other than that, um, he was very much isolated. So when he was sort of coming to the end of his time at the Camp Hill, we were uh, dealing with people from the local authority who suggested supported living, which was new to us. We'd always assumed, I suppose, that he would be in some sort of residential setting. And we were introduced to some transition social workers who did an awful lot of work with TL. And they used images because Tom's understanding is quite limited. And they used images to find out where he wanted to live. And he very clearly said he wanted a house with two floors and a garden. However, he won't go into the garden now because he hates flies. But that is something that we're working on. Now, from our perspective, as I said, we wanted him to have a home which was permanent wasn't dependent upon a tenancy and he needed somewhere where he could have his own possessions he's very possessive of them so much so in fact that he's got a security vault on the room where he keeps his dvds and his uh, his computer so that nobody can get in um, it's a problem if we lose the key um, it was also clear that tl would not be able to share with another disabled disabled person he can't cope with other disabilities, as I said, because people can't actually adapt to him. Uh, but he's always accepted support staff being with him, which is really interesting. The impact, oh, there he is, collecting a prize for completing a survey for Advanced Housing, his housing association. And again, you can see he's just sort of looks really happy most of the time. It's great. So the impact on his and our lives. So. TL absolutely loves his home. He calls it the castle. He actually wants us to put turrets on it, but I don't think the local authority will give us planning permission for that. Um, he tells people about it and shares it happily with his support staff, providing he's got his key to lock the, the room, the security vault. And he actually refuses to come back to our house at all. I think part of the thinking behind that is that it's in the past. He calls it Generation One. But also, I think he's so fearful that if he comes back to us, we will make him stay with us and he won't be able to go to his house. So we have to go and see him rather than him come to see us. I mean, he loves to see us, but at his own home. He's gained skills that we never thought he would. For example, he can make choices about the colour he wants the walls painting. His favourite colour is blue, so everything is blue at the moment. But he does make the choice. He's made choices about um, some furniture he wanted to buy. And we never, ever thought he would be able to do that. His language skills have improved as he doesn't have us to interpret for him the whole time. And also, of course, I suppose we got into the habit of talking to him in a particular way. And support staff are more likely to challenge that and will be working with him. 
He can do very basic cooking. He can put nuggets in the oven, although he hasn't yet learned to switch them on once they're cooked. So he wanders off and leaves them, which means that um, support staff have to monitor permanently to make sure he's okay. And really importantly, he invites his circle of support to visit him and is welcoming to them for a short period of time, but he will do it. So he now, with his support staff, writes letters inviting them to come. Um, and uh, he really likes them. I think part of the reason he likes them coming is because he likes the chocolate biscuits he purchases to share with them. But nevertheless, he's very welcoming when they arrive. Um, and also, he's very much part of the community there. Um, they know him at the local chip shop. They know him in the local um, Tesco's and Sainsbury's. They know him at the local hairdressers. So as he's walking around with his support staff, people will say hello to him. And whenever I take him into the local Sainsbury's, they are absolutely lovely with him and really, really patient with him. So he's really as part of the community. Again, something we never thought would happen. There are downsides. Uh, one of the downsides for us is having to oversee support staff to make sure that they arrange for repairs and maintenance to be done. Um, obviously, you know, that part of the agreement of, with the housing association is that we keep the house in good repair uh, and good um, decorate it properly, etc. And so that is a downside. It's a, but the minuses are far, far outweighed by the benefits. So process, there is party time. He actually had a party for his thirtieth um, birthday um, and uh, invited. I have to say mostly our friends because they're the people he knows. But he did invite a friend from the day service he goes to, um, and uh, the young lady came. She stayed for four minutes. Um, her mum was waiting in the car for outside because she knew she wouldn't stay very long and um, she took a lot of food away with her and he and she were both delighted that they'd managed to see one another on his birthday so it was lovely to see again nothing something we didn't anticipate happen david abbey and sue kirkman talking about the hold model for home ownership for people with disabilities in the united kingdom the audio from the webinar is courtesy of LDE, Learning Disability England. A really quick news item before I go. The National Council on Independent Living, NCIL, the Board of Directors, is pleased to announce that it has named Rama McCoy-McDeed, she, her, as its new executive director, effective June 28, 2021. McCoy-McDeed, a leading voice, in the Independent Living IL movement will bring both a wealth of leadership, experience, and passion for disability justice to, to this role. Additionally, her assuming of the role is historic because she will be the first ever black executive director of a national disability organization in the U.S. She will succeed Kelly Buckland, who is retiring after 12 years. Rama, congratulations. We look forward to working with you here on Blazing Access, connecting the community to the disabled world. That's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to Blazing Access, connecting the community to the disabled world. What do you think? Let me know at facebook.com slash shows. That's B-L-A-I-S-I-N shows. On Twitter at Blazin Shows or email me at blazinshows at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and at my website, blazinshows.com. 
To quote the late Christopher Reeve, a hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk again next week. On Blaze and Access, I'm Blaze Bryant.